Welcome to the third day of True Stories. We've been having a great time in the indoor sports. We've been learning loads about different stories. We heard from my story on Tuesday about my identity. We heard from Pete yesterday. He was talking about adventure. And this morning, it's a real privilege to welcome Mark Nottage with us. He's... He is going to be sharing his story of how he um, lost his mum a few years ago, and he's going to be sharing his story with us this morning. I'm just stealing Mark's thunder. Um, this is my friend Mark. We uh, both live in Canterbury, and uh, I'm going to interview Mark today for the true stories. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Great, thanks. Uh, okay, first question I've got to ask you is what on earth is in your bottle? Does anyone watch Bear Grylls? No, it's vitamin C, I promise you. It's vitamin C, <laughs> so that I drink a lot of water. There's nothing wrong with that at Why all. Why is it fluorescent, though? I don't know. That's a bit weird. Great, okay. So, really, obviously, you're here today for uh, the True Stories seminar. And as you heard in the main meeting, this is really going to be about Mark sharing his story, um, which I'll, I'll let him do. I won't steal, steal his story in that way. But we just thought it, it might be more helpful to do it in a bit of a Q&A-style way. Um, I've got a bit of a reputation back in Canterbury for just being an incredible interviewer. Um, so Mark just begged me, really, to interview him. That so is I said, true. Well, I said, for you, Mark, I'll do it. So let's, let's get on then. Let's ask some questions. Why don't we start? Just tell us a bit about yourself. So I'm Mark. Um, I live in Canterbury, but you've covered those two, two points already. Um, I've got um, three wonderful children who are 16, 13 and 9, um, and a wonderful wife. Two of them are here, actually, but I won't get them to stand up. Shall I get them to stand up? Yeah. <laughs> Go on, stand up. Go yeah. on. Do you know what? There we are. There's my two. Last time, a couple of, couple of years ago, um, Martin got me to talk on sex, and he introduced me and then made Naomi stand up. And having your dad talking about it, you don't need that, do you? But anyway. So I won't do anything embarrassing like that. Well, your mic. You said sex, they cut the mic. Is it? No, it it's definitely dead. In your excitement, you just turned the switch off. When you're talking about so anyway, uh, let, me, let me crack on. Uh, I live in Canterbury. Um, I used to come to these sort of events a lot when I was younger. Um, I became a Christian at the Downs Bible Week when I was seven. I remember exactly when it was. We were singing a song called He Is Alive. And one of the lines is, and I call your name out loud. And at that point, I really felt that the Lord was calling me and saying my name. And I believed then that Jesus was alive. And, and that's when I became a Christian at seven. And then we went to Stonely. And now I keep coming to New Day. But I'm far too old to come to New Day as either a punter or as a youth leader. So now I come as a cook. That's the only way they'll let me in. Um, what else? Um, uh, I'm a police officer. I've been a police officer for 22 years. I currently work in London and in Kent. Um, and, yeah, what else do you want to know? Oh, that's great. That Everyone's looking at you thinking, how old are you? Uh, 32. Not really. <laughs> I'm 32. I look much younger. Uh, so let's start in a little bit in terms of, just tell us a bit of your, your backstory. Where did you grow up? So I grew up, I was born in London. So I'm actually a Cockney because I was born within the sound of Bow Bells, but you can't tell that from my accent, can you? Um, grew up in London until I was six, and then we moved to near Eastbourne. And I stayed in Eastbourne till uh, I left to go to university in Kent. Um, and then I've been in, Kent, in Canterbury ever since. Great. And before we kind of dive into the specifics about your story, obviously grief is a very um, broad topic. And, um, you know, all of us, whether we've encountered it or when we do encounter it, it will look different for each of us. Do you have any kind of general things you want to say uh, about grief so yeah, before we talk about what I went through, my personal story, being a police officer, I guess you see death and you see the consequences of death. Actually, you see the consequences of sin quite a lot day in, day out. And, 
as a police officer and quite a young police officer, I had to deal with death and I, and I observed other people in a snapshot of grief. And my story is that grief is a long-term thing. It's not just a snapshot. And some of those sort of stuck in my mind. I clearly remember I was 21 years old when I delivered my first death message. And that's a hard thing to do when you're 21. You don't get a lesson in police training school about delivering a death message. And I remember I knew what had happened. And I remember walking up the path to this house and uh, knocking on the door thinking, what I say to the man in this house is going to change his life. And just thinking, how would you do that? And I remember knocking on his door and he was cooking dinner. And very sadly, his wife had died in a car accident. And I had to walk in and tell him that his wife had died. And I just saw a snapshot of grief. And you don't know how people are going to respond. You don't know if they're going to collapse or have a heart attack or they're not going to believe it or they're going to be angry or they're going to fight or they're going to tell you to get out of the house. But every time I drive past that particular road now, I always pray for that guy. But I never saw him again. I don't actually remember what his face was like. I remember the incident, but I bet he remembers my face. And I just pray for him and say, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but... Lord help him. I, I remember another time a guy was stood the wrong side of a motorway bridge and uh, he'd had some grief in his life. I think he'd lost a child and he just couldn't cope with it and he was going to jump off the motorway bridge. And me and my colleague turned up and again, I think I missed, I missed the day at training college when they talked to you about how to get people back off motorway bridges. So we just did our best and started chatting to him and saying, you having a bad day? And he went, yeah, I'm having a bad day. And he said, looks like you're having a bad day. Can we help? No, we couldn't. And he said that he'd written a suicide note and he was going to jump off this bridge and I'm thinking, man, that's a long way down and there's a lot of fast lorries coming along and what are we going to do? And I, and I said, what have you written on your suicide note? And I said, because when you jump off, people might not get it. Why, why don't you give it to us? And uh, I said to my colleague, you're going to have to help me here because I'm not going over the bridge as well. So when he, he handed it to us and as he handed it to us, we grabbed him and we pulled him back over the other side and we took him to hospital. And again, I don't know what happened to him since. I prayed for him and off I went. And Another time as well, I remember um, I was a detective at that time, and I remember getting a call on Easter Saturday morning about 5.30 saying they'd found somebody just lying in a road and they'd died. It was a lad who was about 21. I turned up, we've got to work out who this person is because somebody needs to know. And uh, we, we, we searched him and I found his driving license. No, no, we searched him and we, he didn't have anything on him. So we started looking around and I found a car that I thought, I don't think this car should be in this location. So we broke into the car. We were allowed to do that so we weren't committing a crime. And I found a driving license and I looked at the driving license, had an address on it and it looked like the guy that had died and it had his address. So we had to go and knock on the door and tell his mum that he died and she just lost it, um, you know, understandably. Just absolutely lost it that suddenly she'd found like that she got the most devastating news. And I think through that time, as an early police officer, I really remember thinking, life is really fragile. It's really, really fragile. One minute, you can be all confident that everything's fine, and then in a heartbeat, things can change. And uh, I remember praying a lot about that, and I still think about that quite a lot. Um, but yeah, that, I guess they were my early experiences of grief, but I was really conscious that I was just getting snapshots, and I never knew the end of the story. I never knew what happened next. And so why don't you tell us a bit about your personal story and kind of encounter with grief? Okay, so um, I was at university. Uh, I went to university when I was 18, and everything was fine. And uh, I met my wife on the first day at university. I went to church, to the, to the church that I go to now, and, uh, and I met my wife that morning. She wasn't my wife at that point, because um, I'd only just met her. And um, we started going out together, and um, we were getting on really well. And I got into my second year, and I remember listening to a song. None of you will have heard of this, but I really enjoyed it. It was Timbuk 3. And it's called The Future's So Bright, I've Got to Wear Shades. 
And I remember listening to that thinking, this is my story. I'm, I'm at university. I'll get to university, certainly not my dad. I'm at university and I've applied for the police. I'd always wanted to be in the police and I've got a job and they're going to pay me £12,000 a year. Now, I was eating pasta every day. They're going to pay me 12 grand. So I've got money, I've got a job, I've got this beautiful girlfriend that's going to be my wife. And, and, and I remember one day and the phone rang and my dad phoned me up and he said, Mark, we, mum's got cancer. And it hit me like a punch in the stomach. When you've ever had a punch in the stomach, it just wins you. It's like, what? Yeah, mum, mum, mum's got breast cancer. I was like, okay. So what does that mean? And we talked it through. And I just remember the months that sort of followed on from that, thinking it through. But she had cancer and they treated it and she got better, which was great. Um, and I left university, so I was about 21. Left university, started in the police. And uh, then again, I remember my mum calling me this time and saying, um, treatment's not really worked the way they hoped it would. And, uh, and the words she said to me, she said, she said I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to make it to be an old lady. And I just thought, oh, man. And then, um, yeah, she died. She died when I was 21. I was, I'd been married about seven months, and, uh, and my mum died. So obviously, you know, for all of us, some will have encountered similar stories like that. People we know, we love, who have got sick and have, and have died. And really, I suppose there's two parts that I'd love to just unpick a little bit with you. Um, the first is kind of how did you feel when, during the time that your mum was ill? How did you find that? So that was the hardest part, actually. Um, what I felt when she was ill was a, a range of things. I started to question God and say, like, first of all, are you getting this? Can, can you see what's happening? I, I grew up in a, in a really wonderful family, and my mum was amazing. You know, everyone says their mum was amazing. My mum was amazing. And she was a nurse, and when, when uh, my older sister was born, she stopped nursing, and she just committed her whole time to looking after us. And there's four of us, four children, and she, just, she was just wonderful, you know, just excellent. She, um, she was so selfless, so kind, and I remember thinking, God, she doesn't deserve this. She doesn't smoke, she doesn't do drugs, she doesn't, you know, she's not, she's not a heavy drinker. She's not the, and I started making comparisons and then thinking, well, she doesn't deserve this. She's just wonderful. Well, Lord, are you seeing this? Are you seeing what's happening? And another thing I remember is at the time at church and stuff, we'd have healing meetings and we'd pray for people. And I remember praying for people for things like um, that their headache would go. And God healed them. And it was amazing. And people were like, it's amazing. They, got, they had a migraine and their headache's gone. And somebody else, um, I think, had like, a problem with their wisdom teeth. And we prayed for them and their wisdom teeth were, were just completely transformed. And everyone's like, that's amazing. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, okay. So, God, if you can heal this stuff, why can't If you can make the world, if you can make mountains, I keep asking you to heal my mum. She's got cancer. Do you know she's got cancer? And I don't want this to end the way that I think it's going to. Will you heal her? And, and it didn't look like he was healing her. And I remember really questioning God. Are you all-powerful? And are you good? Because I've been taught God's good, and it's true God is good. But I remember thinking, are you good all the time? And actually, can you do something about this? Because it didn't look like he was doing anything about it. I think it's such an important point that it's, it's important for us to know, and I think this is why we're doing this seminar, it's important for you to know from such a young age that it's easy to believe the truths about Jesus when life's going well. Um, it's hard when you really do hit challenge. Um, but for you, Mark, your journey during the time your mum was ill wasn't just 
that was it. It wasn't just that you were frustrated with God. There did come a moment before your mum passed away that kind of your your processing, your thinking changed in terms of your view of God. Did yeah. you share that a little bit? Yeah, that's true. So I think one of the other things I felt is I felt quite lonely at times. Um, and I think I felt lonely. And, and some p- people say clumsy stuff sometimes and you have to kind of show them grace and forgive them for it. So people would say things like, oh, I know what you're going through because my mum my got ill or my mum had cancer or my mum died or my uncle this or that. And I know what you're going through. And I'm like, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my mum. It's my mum. If you knew my mum, you might, but it's, you don't know. And I felt quite lonely. Um, I had some good friends and some good family that were around me. But I also remember thinking through a lot more about who God actually is and thinking through, well, actually, I, I do believe God's good all the time. Um, but I also think bad stuff happens. And wouldn't it be bizarre, right, if you became a Christian and becoming a Christian meant bad stuff didn't happen anymore? That would then be a good reason to become a Christian. But it's not about that, is it? It's not about us when we give our lives to the Lord. It's about him and it's his glory and his fame and his kingdom. Um, it's not about us. And I think I came to the point of thinking, okay, Lord, I, I do believe you're good, Whatever happens, I believe you're good, but I don't understand you. Oh, and I think you've got this one wrong. That's what I thought. And kind of what advice would you give to us for those of us that are kind of perhaps not going through a similar journey, but just in in that moment where we're walking through times where we're really questioning God and we're thinking, why, you know, do you really hear me? What advice would you give? So I think one of the things is just try not to be isolated. Get some good people around you that are going to support you and pray for you and listen to you and just be with you. Just be with you so you're not on your own um, and I think the other thing the other advice is it's okay to have those emotions to God he's a great big God as you learn when you're really young in Sunday school he's a great big God and actually being angry with God in your confusion and asking questions and saying God I think you've got this wrong do you know what he can take that it's okay that's not a sin to be questioning God and saying I think you've got this wrong actually that's a process and I got to the point where it's another time of bowing my knee and going I think you got it wrong but do you know what you actually are in charge. And there's a verse in Psalms where it says, it talks about him bottling our tears. And sometimes in British culture, and particularly men, it's like stiff upper lip and let's just crack on and it'll be all right or blot it out and I'll deal with it another day. But that's not what our God's like. What our God says is he bottles our tears. Now, that means they're really precious to him. So the tears, if people in here are grieving or will, you know, guess what? We're probably all going to be grieving at some point, even if you haven't grieved about something yet. We all know we're going to lose people and friends and that's going to happen. But our tears, he says he bottles them. They're precious to him. They count to him. And think about the story of Jesus, right, when Lazarus is in the tomb. I, I'm so offended when people use Jesus wept as a swear word. That is, that is, for me, that's the time when he was most compassionate. He didn't bowl up, did he, when he healed Lazarus and go, step aside, everyone. You ain't seen nothing yet. Watch this. Lazarus... He turned up and he saw people's grief and he saw how upset they were, knowing what he was going to do, knowing that he was going to bring life. And it says, Jesus wept. That just illustrates to me his amazing empathy for our situation. Even though he's got it, even though he's in control, he's still so close to us in our grief. He gets that we don't understand what's going on. And I think he just wants to be right there with us in it. So I think I got to that place as well. Great, brilliant. Uh, and so obviously your journey was, your mum was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Y- you kind of walked through those kind of questioning God and the battles that you faced. Um, God kind of brought you through that and you're able to come to the place where you're saying, God, I, I'm not sure I agree with what, you know, what's going on, but I, I still trust you. And then your mum died. Just talk us through, how did you feel when your mum died? 
So when, when my mum knew she was going to die and she told us and she was in hospital for the last two or three weeks and didn't know exactly when she was going to die, so we'd actually driven a couple of hours to the hospital in Eastbourne, my, my wife and I, and would go and see her in the evenings and I was doing shift work at the time which was complicated and I ended up saying goodbye to her a good number of times because I think, I think that might be the last time I see her and would drive home and talk to my dad the next day and she hadn't died and I think, oh, I'll go and see her again then and I got some great time to talk to her then and chat to her about stuff and it wasn't, I think, you know, as I said, grief is a quite a unique thing. Um, it was wonderful for me that I had time to talk to my mum before she died. It wasn't a shock like in a car accident like I spoke earlier on or that was good. So we had time to, you know, talk about things, uh, memory, remember things that had gone well and hadn't gone well. But I remember one time, and this was really close to when she died, and I asked her how she was feeling, whether she was scared. And my mum was a Christian and uh, been a Christian for quite a long time. And I don't know if you've ever spoken to somebody who's really excited about going on holiday, and they say to you, you know, like, imagine you're going to Las Vegas, and they go, I can't believe it, in a couple of days' time I'm going to be in Vegas. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's amazing. It's too much to comprehend. I had a bit of a conversation like that with my mum where she said, listen, Mark, you either believe it or you don't. And in a few days' time, I'm actually going to be with Jesus. And I could just see her face lighting up. She didn't want to... I mean, her whole life was her family and her children and her friends. And she didn't want to leave that. But she got to the point where she thought, I haven't got a choice. I think she thought God had got it wrong as well. But she got to the point where she made her peace with that. I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to be with Jesus. And I could see the joy on her face. And then when she actually did die, I remember we'd seen her in the morning, Tara, my wife and I, I was, I was on a late turn, so I got up early, we'd driven to Eastbourne, we'd seen her. She wasn't really able to talk to us much then. She was, she was pretty poorly. And we got in the car and we're driving home. And it was, it was quite a while ago, this is when people first had mobiles. And, uh, and I borrowed my mate's mobile because I didn't have a mobile at the time. And I said, gave my dad the number. I said, obviously let me know. And we're driving back and the phone rang and I thought, I know what that is. And we turned around and we went back to be with the rest of my family. Do you know what? We went out onto some cliffs near where I live as a family after my mum had died that afternoon. And it was a celebration. So if I had thought 15 years before or five years before about if somebody had said to me in five years' time, your mum's going to die, I'd, I'd have, but I've been through quite a process in those five years. Do you know what the overriding feeling was? Where, oh, death is your sting amazing feeling this was supposed to be the point of defeat this was supposed to be the point where sin had come into the world and the evil one had won and had, had, had meant that my mum had died and it was death and I just remember thinking where oh death is your sting death you lost actually I know my mum's dead but you know what this thing here this is like a onesie this is going to go look at look, look at this now everyone look at your skin here it's like a onesie okay it isn't who you are it's the bit we walk around in and like a onesie, one day you're going to take it off and chuck it away. This thing goes. And although my mum's body had died, actually the victory of her spirit, her soul, her heart was now in heaven for eternity. And I remember thinking, this pain she's been through and this sickness, nothing will ever touch her again. She will just be with the Lord forever and I'll see her again one day. And so it's quite strange, having been through all the struggle of getting my head around the fact she was, going to, she was ill and she was going to die, actually the first part of when she died it was like wow she's with the lord and there was relief and there was gratefulness and you know that thing that she said mark we either believe it or we don't and i believe it was a real comfort and so how did after your mum had passed away how did that impact your relationship with god 
Um, I think that's, that's, that was a long process and it still is a process of choosing to believe that he's good and trusting in his faithfulness and trusting that he's got it. I've been in a lot of situations since where I'm just thinking, I don't know if this, this isn't going well, this bad stuff's happening. And I think it's really made me focus on that verse where it says, in this world you'll have many troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And for me that means there is going to be lots of stuff. It's a promise of God that we don't often encourage each other with. You know, when, when somebody says, oh, I feel really discouraged, will you encourage me? You go, yeah, you're going to have many problems. That, that doesn't really encourage people, but the next bit does. Take heart, I've overcome the world. And what I think that means is whatever happens in the world, I've overcome it. Whatever happens to you, whatever has happened to you, actually the Lord is faithful, he's very close, he's with us, he is a good God and he doesn't do things my way. He doesn't do things my way. And that is a really good thing because if he did things my way, we'd be in even more pickle than we already are. So 22 years on since, uh, since your mum passed away, how would you describe uh, kind of what impact that's had on you as a person and on your life over those years? So like I said earlier on, it has made me think that life is short and it's fragile. Um, it makes me with my family, kind, you know, the, the phrase carp deum, seize the day. It makes me want to make the most of what I've got. I think it's helped put things into perspective. I, I, I hope, I'm not going to ask them to stand up and answer the question themselves, but I hope I don't sort of overstress on the little things and try and focus on real big problems and, you know, things that really are a challenge rather than worry about the smaller things. I think it's, you know the faithfulness of God, knowing that all through the storm, he's the anchor. And there's all sorts of twee stuff on the internet and gifts and stuff about, you know, if you're walking through a storm, keep walking. All right, thanks, but it's hard. But some of the stuff that's in the Bible, you know, all through the storm, he is the anchor. You know, building your life on a rock, not on sand. And I think we've been brought up as Christians to know that actually we had to build our life on a rock and some of the stuff that my parents have put into us I think actually then paid huge dividends that we were as a family trusting in Jesus and we continue to do so and I genuinely don't know what's going to happen next no one else does I don't know you know there's lots of people that are precious to me I know what's going to happen to them I, d- I read about stuff and I think being a police officer I see a disproportionate amount of bad stuff that goes on and sometimes it can make me fear and I just think Lord you're in control you're good and one day everyone that believes in you is going to be together forever with you and it's also made me think a bit more about what this life is and I like to think of it as a bit of an airport lounge those of you that have flown you fly in somewhere you stop there for a while maybe get a drink hang around a bit and then you fly out listen this life is like an airport lounge this isn't home this is not your home this earth this world this life actually we come in here don't we we're born God chose us to be born at a time like this and we're heading off somewhere else so not getting too attached to this life is a challenge because lots of stuff becomes very precious to us but actually this isn't home so I think what I try and do is try and think about a longer term perspective actually about try and think about heaven more and what it's going to be like then with no pain no sin no suffering yeah great a couple more questions then uh, I've got a few I suppose one is obviously your story is your story and all of us our stories will be unique <coughs> For you, you had to walk through the pain of, of losing your mum, but, but the hope of knowing that she knew Jesus, and so you knew where she was going, what kind of advice would you give to those that perhaps 
are walking through the grief or um, have walked or will walk of those that their friends or family that don't know Jesus? Did you have anything you'd say on that? Well, that's hard, isn't it? Because we know that actually the hope of Jesus is the thing that provides us huge comfort. But I also think, you know, it does say he is a God of comfort. He is very, very close in times of need. And, you know, when we were listening last night in the main, uh, the main meeting about God speaking in very individual ways to each of us, I think he can comfort us in very individual ways, that he totally gets whatever it is you've gone through or will go through. He totally gets it, even more than you do. You know, think about how Jesus endured so much rejection and suffering and, and pain, and he was betrayed and he was let down and whatever it is. And sometimes I think, you know, I think a point to make actually is when, because when my mum died, it was a sad thing she got ill, but my parents hadn't split up. And I think in some ways it might have been harder if I lost my mum because my mum and dad got divorced or I lost my dad because my mum and dad got divorced because there might have then been kind of bitterness and hurt and upset and choices that were made. But I just think whatever it is that you're going through, knowing and asking Jesus to come into it, not thinking that you have to keep that bit separate and think, well, nobody will understand. Maybe they won't. Maybe that is actually true. I thought that was true. I didn't think anyone understood. I think it probably was true. But I know that Jesus understood and he wanted to be right there. And there was nothing off limits. I don't think there's anything we can't say to Jesus about how we're feeling. Um, and what we're confused about and as, and as I said before get, just get good people around you to support you people that love you and are for you and, and let you be who you want to be and ask the questions you want to ask rather than think oh, I, don't, I don't think I should ask that question why? I think we can ask those questions okay, that's brilliant I think it's really important to emphasise when you're, when you're walking through difficult moments like this you know that feeling of no one understands is really strong and the the, the choice then is either pulling yourself away from community or throwing yourself into community. And I think kind of Mark's story is really helpful for us to hear to, and to kind of hold on to that principle of when difficult times come, when grief comes, when you feel like no one understands, throw yourself into community rather than pulling yourself out of community. Don't allow yourself to become isolated and left alone to deal with this. Draw close to your friends. Draw close to your church. Draw close to those people that can... You know, as best as they can. They won't get it right all the time, but they can love you and support you through it. I think that's a really important principle to hold on to. So I suppose one final question I've got for you, and then I'd love us just to have a bit of time to pray, um, is from kind of all that you've shared and the journey that you've walked, what, are there any kind of key things that you would want to make sure people walk away with today, whether they're walking through it at the moment or when they do? Yeah, so I think one is just realizing how precious life is and how precious your relationships are and keeping short accounts with people being careful to to keep peace with people it says in the bible that blessed are the peacemakers and i think quite often our pride can get in the way and we can fall out with people but we don't actually know what happens tomorrow you know the, the bible tells us don't let the sun go down on an argument and I'm grateful because I had time knowing that my mum was going to die that we could sort anything out that we needed to, anything I needed to apologise for because I was a bit of a rat bag when I was a kid. I needed to apologise for some of that. And she, I didn't think she needed to apologise for stuff, but she did. She said, look, I'm sorry I didn't get that bit right. And that was a wonderful thing. But if it had been a sudden thing, actually keeping short accounts with people I think is really good. And honouring your parents and respecting your parents and, and realising that nothing's forever with them. The only thing that's forever is Jesus. That's one thing. I think the other thing, just to get people praying for you, ask for help when you need it. Don't try and be strong. 
I was the most shocking thing about when my mum died. I remember six months later being shocked that we got through it. That sound, might sound strange to you, but I just remember six months later. Maybe that was part of my grief process. Like, my gosh, we've just got through the last year with my mum getting ill and dying, and we're all still good. We're okay. We're having fun, and life's carrying on, and I miss my mum, and I miss her now. I'm so sad that my mum never met my children, but we got through it, and we still get through it. So I think keeping short accounts and getting people around you to pray because the thing that carried me through wasn't nice little quotes on Twitter or going through, even going through sort of counselling or anything like that. The thing that got us through that people were praying that we would know the peace of Jesus. The Holy Spirit would give us peace and it did. The night she died, we all slept really well. You know, the Lord can just give us such peace. So relying on him and going to him for the solutions I think is probably, probably the most important thing. That's brilliant. Can we just thank Mark for being so honest with us? what we've talked about today um for some of us in the room will be very real um whether that be because we've walked through it we're walking through it now for others of us it may not feel as real um but as mark said the truth is that we live in a broken world and we we will all face loss and pain and hurt that we'll have to walk through. And so what I'd love us to do is just have a bit of time to pray together. Um, So could I just invite us just to close our eyes where we are? Just in the quiet, before we do anything else, I just want to allow, you know, as Simon talked about last night, as Mark mentioned, just the voice of God to begin to whisper to us where we are. So let's just let him speak. While everyone's eyes are closed, just keep your eyes closed, please. Just for a safe way for people to respond and not feel like people are, are watching them do it. I just want to invite, if if you're currently walking through just grief, whether that be because of sickness and death, whether that be because of a breakdown in friends, whether that be because you've had to move to a new place and you just don't, you know, you're struggling with kind of the leaving of the old and, and this new thing that you're in, or you've you've walked through grief but you're still carrying the pain of that can i just ask you while everyone's eyes are closed to raise your hand where you are if that's where you are i just feel like god wants to honor you as you do that that point mark made about prayer and that the peace of god really did rule in his heart through that i just think that's the offer of god today so just with your hands raised where you are i'm just going to ask our guys with orange t-shirts if there's youth leaders in the room or referral team if you've got kind of one of the bands target bands i mean you can pray for young people can i ask you just to come around those that have raised their hands i just think it's really important that you know that you're not walking this through alone i think jesus really wants you to know that his promise to us was that i'm not going to leave you as orphans i'm not going to leave you alone and isolated and forgotten but actually I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you 
and he's given us his church as well for community and so just keep your hand raised until someone comes and sits with you there's two girls at the front here that have got their hands raised there's a, there's a boy over here that's got his hand raised be great if, if there's people that can come and just just pray for them everyone else just please keep your eyes closed still um and just kind of sit they're going to just have a little chat and and pray together um and just minister to them Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are a good God, that that's in your character, you're a good God, and that you are with us and you're so close to us. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you understand every single part of our emotions because you made us, Lord. You understand how we work far, far better than we do. Lord, and I thank you that you are the God of all comfort. Lord, I thank you that you actually hold us in your hands. Lord, I thank you for the fact that our tears are precious to you the the tears that we cry when we think we're all on our own we're not on our own lord you see every single one and not one of them escapes your attention we weren't those times when we were we were crying and grieving and we thought we were on our own and no one understood lord i thank you that you saw every single one of them lord and i just pray for these precious people that have responded now and and lord i pray father that you will give them such peace lord such confidence that their confidence doesn't need to be in understanding what's going on and being able to work out why things have happened the way they've happened, Lord. But their confidence is actually able to hand over to you and say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't like it. I think you've got it wrong even. But, Lord, I know that you're for me. You're a God that's for me and loves me and, and is going to stay with me, that I can't escape your love and your compassion, Lord. I pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will flood these lives with your peace lord jesus and your comfort lord that you'll be so close in the weeks and the days ahead lord jesus i pray two things while martin was speaking a minute ago i think when i was talking about the the lord bottling your tears i think there's some people in the room that just never knew that that never realized that actually how precious your emotions are to the lord and Actually, I think he wants you to spend some time telling him how you feel. You've got permission to tell the Lord how you feel about what's going on or what went on in the past. And it'll be really good and really helpful if you've got a youth leader with you to do that so that they can hear it as well and they can tell you it's okay to feel those things. There aren't things that you might be feeling that God doesn't want to know about or you need to hide from him. Um, and another thing that I, I feel is that there's some people in the room that feel they've been punished. The situation that they're in is because God doesn't like them and he's angry with them and this stuff's happened. And I just want to reassure you that there is nothing that could be further from the truth of that. The Lord, if you're going through grief, I promise you it isn't a punishment. Bad stuff happens. This is a fallen world. There's sin in this world. Bad stuff happens. Right through the Bible, bad stuff happens. It's happening now, and it's going to continue to happen. Okay? If you're going through grief, that is not a punishment. You didn't bring this on yourself. And I'd love it if there's people in either of those two categories as well that are thinking, yeah, I've been feeling that. It would just be wonderful, again, with people's eyes closed, if you put your hand up so that we can pray for you and support you and help you and open up the Word of God to you to show you that this is not punishment. God is for you. He's on your side. He's not against you. 
And so, again, with eyes, eyes closed, if you're in either of those categories of not realising just how precious your emotions are to God or feeling that what's happening or has happened is a punishment, please put your hand up because we just want to serve you by praying with you and, and, and talking to you. I think what, what we'll do in a moment is we'll, we'll bring the, the seminar to an end, but we'll, we'll just invite people to stay that want prayer. But just before we do that, just a helpful question that just came that, Mark, I'd love to ask you just as we end. is Obviously, there's some that have responded. If you've responded and you've been prayed for, please don't stop praying. Keep, keep receiving prayer. I suppose for the rest of us, if, if we've got friends who are walking through grief, how can we be a support to them? Being with them is a good idea when they want you to be with them. So part of grieving is you want to be on your own sometimes, but actually making sure people aren't isolated. So if people have changed massively from how they used to be to how they are now because they're going through grief, just let them know you're, you're there for them when they need you. When, when they, whatever happens, whatever, when they want it, that you're going to be there for them. Try to avoid saying things like, I know how you're feeling, because you won't know how they're feeling because it's very, very unique. Yeah. Um, but I think probably the most important thing is just being there for them and praying for them regularly. Mm-hmm. Stick it on your phone. Set a daily alarm on your phone or whatever it is you do. Stick it on your bathroom mirror with their name on it and pray for them because that's powerful. It's so powerful when we pray for people because never a prayer that we pray doesn't get answered. It doesn't always get answered the way we want, but God hears every single prayer. So pray for them and pray for them and pray for them.